I am Scott. I am a daddy to awesome kids, incredible awesome kids. I am a husband to a hot wife. Like, <laughs> seen her? Okay, just saying. I have proof. Winning ring. <clears throat> I am a lover of catchy pop music. Anybody else in the room with that? Okay, which means I am a fan of. Justin Bieber, okay? Just going to throw that out there. I'm not saying I have Bieber fever. I'm just saying I'm a fan, okay? It's different. I am a fan of Taylor Swift and her new album. I am a fan of Christmas music that's very catchy. For two, I'll give you two examples. The, the most amazing Christmas albums ever to be put on anywhere is the Hanson Christmas album, okay? Does anyone know who Hanson is? Okay, it's incredible. It's really good, really good. And the NSYNC Christmas album. Does anyone? It's a classic. Come on. I am horrible at matching clothes. Okay? I'll give you an example. I wore this little outfit on purpose. Okay? The fact that I just said outfit just made me lose a few cool points. But I am horrible at matching clothes. So in Thailand, I was with a few fashionable girls. And so I ran into their house and I said, listen. This is pretty much all I have that's clean. Uh, does this match? Because it's not working for me. And at least those five fashionable girls told me it does. So if it doesn't, um, deal with them. Uh, but I'll wear, like, black shoes and white socks all the time. Or white shoes with black socks. Or I'll wear brown shoes with nothing else brown on my entire body. And I'll, like, think, I look good. But I am horrible at matching clothes. I am a recovering bro. Okay. What I mean by that is this. Uh, I grew up skateboarding, dirt biking, uh, you know, drove a truck when I first got my license, wanted to get it lifted like a free runner. And if you don't know what that is, it's bro language, okay? Wanted to get a Meta Militia sticker on the back, you know? And, like, I still find myself saying things like bro and dude and gnarly and sick, you know? So if you ever catch me, it's because I am a recovering bro, okay? Just Scott Worthington, my wife's really helped me with that, you know, that I'm 26, it's not cool anymore. Um, I am a recovering bro. I am short-ish, okay, ish. I'm not crazy short, I used to be, but now if I stand with, you know, more normal guys, I, I kind of, I'm just short-ish, not like midget status. Not that midget's bad, okay, Woo. I'm just not there, short-ish. I am Dallas Cowboys fanatic, all right? I am. I am a Dallas Cowboys fanatic to where if they lose, I'm in a really bad mood. Don't talk to me for at least a few minutes. I'm just going to cool off, go in my, like, go in the, 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 the bathroom and just chill for a minute, okay? And if they win, I just want to tell everyone about it. I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to rub it in people's faces, and I'm going to say the Cowboys won. I am a Dallas Cowboys fanatic. And I hope that they are whooping the Philadelphia Eagles right now because they're playing. So hopefully that's happening. I am a perfectionist. Anybody else a perfectionist in the room, okay? What I mean by that is when stuff's supposed to be a certain way and it's not, it, like, makes me, you know what I mean? I'm a perfectionist. I am a son. I am a brother. I am a friend. If I'm being honest tonight, I am insecure. There's areas of my life where I would say, I look in the mirror or I think about myself and I think, not the best. 
Scott, you can do better. Scott, you are better. I am insecure. And I am a million other things. So why did you do that? Scott's kind of weird. We are starting a series now I'm very, 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 very excited about. And here's what it centers around. I believe that whatever fills in that blank is very, very, very significant. We're not going to ask you to tell us, you know, just come up here and do what I just did. Okay, some was serious, some was not so serious. But you, everyone in the room tonight, whether you're a leader or you're a seventh grader or you're a senior, you could all fill in that blank with something. I am, like I said, I am a Dallas Cowboys fanatic. I love catchy music. I am a husband. I am a daddy. I am a friend. But I'm also insecure, and I don't match my clothes all the time. And I am kind of short. And we could all fill in a bunch of blanks if we were being honest tonight. So here's kind of the whole point of the series, and as you guys get your notes, it's going to be on the first blank. I believe that what fills in that blank changes the way we live our lives. Here's what I mean by that. What I said was, I am a Dallas Cowboys fanatic. That means when the Cowboys win, I'm on top of the world, and when the Cowboys lose, I'm not on top of the world. It changes the way I view things. I am a recovering bro. That's why I said you will see me and hear me look like and maybe even talk like a bro sometimes. I will say things like, dude, that is sick. You're like, what? Like, uh, if you ever say that to your grandma, she will have no idea what you're talking about. Do you mean it's ill? What do you mean? No, grandma, I mean it's cool. It's, it's awesome. It's hip. It's, you know, the cat's pajamas, whatever you would say. But the way I live is shaped by I am blank. And so tonight, here's what I want to say to you. What is your blank? I'm not going to ask you to write it down. because Somebody next to you might see it. I want you to take two minutes And I'm just going to sit here for a minute. I just want you to think, if you had to put five things that you are, some serious, some not so serious, you could all fill in this blank. I am what? We all got them. I want you to think about that for a minute. I am fill in the blank. Over the next two weeks, we're going to kind of look at a series principle. Listen, everything we're going to base this whole series around, this is on this statement right here. So, Josh, if I can get that on the screen, man, that's that first slide. Here's, here's the, the, the whole series, what we're basing off of this. What I see in myself changes my perspective on everything else. And before you jump to, wow, this is weird, we're getting like a self-esteem talk in church. Just, just hold on with me for about 20 minutes. I am... What I see in myself changes my perspective on everything else. And by the way, we give you notes pages because if you're like me, it doesn't matter how awesome I, you know, the, the, the message I heard or, man, that was a great quote or, you know, whatever it is, um, I forget it in like 15 minutes if I don't write it down. So we give that to you as a tool. We want you to use it. If not, it's cool. We give that to you so you can write this stuff down because maybe in five months, six months, a year, you're going to find this somewhere. Maybe it's going to be like watered up in your pocket or maybe it's going to be in your Bible somewhere or whatever. And you might, God might speak to you through this message or this time in refuge six months from now. That's why we give this to you so you can write this stuff down and hopefully be challenged with it in the months to come. But we really believe this statement. What I see in myself changes my perspective on everything else. What I see in myself, I am what? It changes how you live. It changes the way you go to school. It changes the way you interact with your family. It changes the way you view yourself when you look in the mirror. What you see in yourself changes the way you see everything else. Yeah, everybody, I want you to open it to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be in a couple different stories tonight. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we want to get you one. So come see me afterwards. I really want to, like, give you a Bible. It's like free. Christmas came 24 days early 
get a Bible. And we want you to have it because we really believe if you start reading the Bible and you start asking God to speak to you, that he will. And so we want you to have a Bible. But here's the cool part. You have a smartphone, you get it for free, okay? It's an awesome app called Version, like Y-O-U version. It's free. So if you have a smartphone, download that. Just don't do it now because it takes too long and I'll be done with that. All over. Download that later. But here's the, here's the story in Exodus chapter 3. There's a guy named Moses. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Moses. Okay. I didn't go to church till I was 17, and I'd already heard of Moses, even though I'd never been to church. You know, he's like the guy that got the Ten Commandments. You just kind of know things in this world that we live in, and one of them is a guy named Moses. And so Moses is, before we get to the scripture, in Exodus chapter 3, I'll give you a little backstory. Moses was a leader in what nation? Does anyone know? Flash and participation. Anybody know what nation he was in? Egypt. Alec Honeyman got it. He was a leader in Egypt, okay? Weird story. You can read about it later. But he is born in, he's, a, he's an Israelite, but he's born in Egypt. And so he's kind of raised in the Egyptian culture. And so he becomes a leader at a young age in Egypt, okay? Again, this is all backstory to get to where we're going tonight. So Moses grows up, and he's kind of a leader, but he's an Israelite, but he's a leader in Egypt. And there's this one day where the, this Israelite and this Egyptian soldier are fighting, and they get in a fight, and the Egyptian guy kills the Israelite. Or he messes with him. And so Moses is like, no, 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 no. That was my, that, that's, that's my, that's my, my people. Um, I'm, I'm in a weird spot right now because this guy is messing with my Israelite homie. And, and I'm going to, I don't know what to do because I'm, I'm an Egyptian leader. And this is an Egyptian soldier. And now he's punking like my heritage. It'd be kind of like somebody in the U.S. government killing somebody else. It'd be a huge, 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 huge deal. That's what happens. He, uh, Moses kills this Egyptian, and everyone flips. They point at him and say, how could you do this? You're, you're an Egyptian leader, and you just killed somebody in your army. And so Moses, at the beginning of his story, is he's kind of a coward, and he kind of runs away. The Bible says for 40 years, he hightails it out of there. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He's basically running into hiding. And after 40 years of doing his thing, he gets married. He has some kids. He's 40 years just kind of tending to sheep out in the middle of nowhere. He walks one day, and this bush is on fire. Maybe you've heard this story, you know, around the Bible. There's a bush that's burning. The weird part is that the bush isn't actually being consumed. It's just burning, and then the bush starts talking to him, okay? Very weird. If you're walking through the desert right out here, and you're walking, there's a burning bush, and then it starts yapping at you, run, okay? Because I don't know if that would be God. That already happened. I don't know if that's a really weird thing. I would run, but Moses, for whatever reason, like, stays put. And the bush starts talking to him, and we read in the Bible that the bush is actually the voice of God speaking through this, this burning tree, this burning bush. And he tells Moses, God tells Moses, he says, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to stop running, and I want you to go back to Egypt, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to free the Israelite people. I'm going to use you, Moses, to free the Israelite people. A very important part of the story is that Moses had a stuttering problem. That we can all relate. Maybe you don't stutter, but you have some sort of physical weakness. Like I said, I'm short. I, I, I have sometimes, I don't like to read out loud. Anyone else have a problem? Like, you guys still read in class, okay? I hated that. Like, my pit started sweating, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And, it went, you know, it went around in a circle. Does anyone still do that? Like, it, like, the whole classroom reads, and it finally gets to you, and you're, like, sweating, and you're stumbling over your words, and you just laugh and hope everyone thinks it's funny, but no, nobody's laughing. Just me? Okay, sweet. I hated reading in front of people. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a bigger thing for you. Maybe it's a smaller thing for you. But I think we can all relate. Moses had a weakness. And so it's really weird that he had a stuttering problem. But 
God told Moses, I want you to go and free your people from Egypt. I want you to go and be the spokesperson on my behalf for the Israelites. Moses is like, God, you don't understand. I stuttered. I can't even get a sentence out without people chuckling. I can't, even, I can't even get my thoughts together and get them out of my mouth. And you want me to go to the king of the known world, Pharaoh, and you want me to tell him, I want you to let God's people go. While I'm stuttering the whole way, God, I can't do that. And even if I could, what am I supposed to say? Some burning bush told me to come do this. I'd be a fool. I'd get killed immediately. God, who would you even have me tell them sent me? That's the backstory to what we're about to do right now, what we're about to read right now in Exodus chapter 3. He's basically saying, God, I have a weakness. I can't do it. And even if I could, what would I tell them? Who are you? We know you're like God, but there's not really a name for you yet. We haven't really nailed that down yet. I'm supposed to go into this land. What would you have me say? We all good? We all caught up on the backstory? Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Here's what God says to Moses through this burning bush. God said to Moses, I am who I am. To answer that question. And he, meaning God, said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moses had a huge weakness. Moses, as God said, you need to go do this. I'm going to be behind you. God, Moses said, no, 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 you don't understand, God. I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. And here's the big deal. Not only is it far, and I got, a lot of, I got family here now, and I got a whole slew of problems. My biggest thing is I can't do what you're asking me to do because I stutter. I have a weakness. I am a stuttering fool. I am too, too chicken to go do what you have me do. I am not good enough. And what does God say in the answer to that? He says, that's fine. I am. Am. You're not good enough. I am. Another guy in the Bible, his name is David. Who's ever heard of David? Right? Another guy. You don't really have to grow up in church to hear about a guy named David. David is a shepherd in the beginning. You know, when we first read about David, he's kind of a really, kind of like me when I was a kid. If I grew up in church, I would love David. David's like the short guy that would have got picked last for all the teams because, like, everyone else is bigger and stronger, and David's just over here, like, tending sheep. Okay, that's David, and he is in the Bible as the king, and we know him as, like, the big king of Israel. But when we first meet David, he's kind of a nobody. And so in, in, uh, in 1 Samuel, God tells this guy, Samuel, I want you to go, and I want you to anoint the next king of Israel. And you're going to go to the house of a guy named Jesse. And there you're going to see a bunch of sons, and I will tell you which one it is. And so finally Samuel goes up to this guy Jesse's house, and Jesse knows he's coming. And so Jesse lines all his sons up. I'm talking these guys are buff. These guys are leaders. These guys are like the people that people want to hang out with. And so he sets one up. He sets two up. He sets seven guys up that are like it. Man, one of these guys is going to be the king of Israel. Here's the problem. There was an eighth son who was a shepherd boy that nobody even cared about. He didn't even get invited to the party. Just imagine this in your own family. If, like, you knew somebody was coming to your family for, like, a really big special occasion, they're going to, like, do something big, and, like, your whole family's there, but you're, like, in your room playing Xbox, and nobody even tells you somebody's coming, okay? That's David. He doesn't even know this party's happening. So Samuel shows up, and he goes to one. He says, nope, that's not it. Jesse's kind of like, that's, like, my biggest, strongest, most leader son. Nope, that's not it. Second one, nope, that's not it. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Those aren't it. That's not who God's chosen to be the king. 
Jesse's freaking out. He's thinking, wait, I don't get it. These are all my sons. These are all. And then Samuel says, don't you have another son? Where's the, where's the other son? And Samuel, or, or Jesse says, David? Like, the one tending sheep that's too small for anything and nobody believes in him. And he's like, total kind of like wimpy loser kid. Him? Samuel says, go get David. He's the next king. And David goes through a whole series of things where he's running from the, the, the present king of Israel. And you can read it all throughout the Psalms. David is basically not understanding. I don't get this. I am a nobody. I am weak. I am not brave enough. I am wimpy. Nobody wants me on their team. God, I, don't, I can't do this. I don't know what you think you're doing here, God, but I am not enough. Again, in the story of the Bible, God says, I am. What happens with these two guys? Moses, before we get back to our lives, it's all going to connect, I promise. Moses ends up obeying God and going to Pharaoh. And maybe we've heard the story, maybe we haven't, but he basically tells Pharaoh, even though he stutters, God uses him, and he says, I want you to let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. He says, no, you don't understand. God says this is going to happen. You better listen. And so Pharaoh says, no, no, no. And finally, God rains ten, ten plagues on Egypt and lets his people go. And the stuttering fool that never thought he could do anything leads millions of people out to the promised land because he just listened to God and said, yeah, God, I am not enough. But God, you say you are. We all know the story of David. David goes on to continue to to be a shepherd. And and one day there's this huge battle where there's like this nine-foot giant guy on this other side uh, of the Philistines, which is like a big army against the Israelites. And he says, bring me your biggest warrior. And for like 40 days, he cries out, and the Israelites are all scared. And David shows up to bring his, his brothers some food. And he says, what, what's this guy doing out here? And they're like, that's, that's Goliath. Nobody wants to fight him. David goes, I will. And the one that nobody thought could do anything, the one that was weak, the one that was a coward, the one that was, you know, the smallest and the puniest and the nobody defeats the biggest giant warrior in the land. God said, I am enough. So what's your blessing? Give me a real simple message tonight. David, if he was here tonight, he would say, I am too weak. I am not worthy of much. That's what I heard my whole life. I am a shepherd. That's it. Moses would have said, I am stutter. I am not worth much. And I don't know what you would fill in that blank, but here's what I tend to do and maybe you tend to do, is whatever we would fill in the blank with, we take that and we limit God based on that. Here's what I mean. Say, God, I'm not that cool. You would never want to use me. I'm not very popular. I'm not very, like, leader material in my school. You would never want to use me in my school to, like, really change the course of my school and, like, get people to meet you and get people to walk in a relationship with you. And you would never want to use me in, like, a really, really big Moses David kind of way. I'm not enough. God says, I am. Maybe your blanks would be some of the following. Maybe tonight you would say, dude, I am awful. You're sitting up here talking about all this negative stuff. I'm just going to tell you, I am awful. If 
like, you don't know me, like, my gamer tag, my gamer score is incredible, and, like, I have so many friends on Facebook, and you don't even know. Like, I got 74 likes on my Instagram post, and it was of my, you know, pizza. I'm awesome. Some of you know, be more honest and say, you, you don't understand, I put on a good front when I'm out, but I am overwhelmed. Like, there's so much pressure in my house. There's so much pressure with this relationship that I'm in. I can't, I, man, my grades are slipping. I'm trying all that I can, and I know I'm only 15, but I am overwhelmed. Some of you would say, and I'm bold. I don't talk about it much, but I, I, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. Because that girl or that guy is going to say something to me that's going to crush my spirits again and make me feel like I'm pretty worthless and I am bullied constantly. Whether that's on the internet or live in person, I am bullied. There's somebody in this room that has said this. Some of you would say, Scott, I am depressed. And I fake it so well. My family doesn't know. My friends don't really know. But when it's in me in the quiet of the room, all by myself, man. I think of cutting. I think of some other things. I am depressed. Some of you tonight would be like, I am popular. Sorry, not sorry. Like, I don't really get all this. I am popular. I walk around and people know me. They're high-fiving me in the hallways just to, like, touch me, okay? I am popular. Some of you guys would say that if you're honest. Not me, okay? People are like, you're going to go to school or you don't spend time with me? Yes. Some of you would say, I am lonely. And I got a lot of people around me. There's like a lot of people in this room right now. When it comes to me and my heart, I am lonely. Some of you would say, I'm scared. There's stuff in my life that I don't really know where it's going. My parents, my relationships, whatever it might be, I can't speak into every single one of your situations. But some of you and I would say, I'm scared. That's backwards. They're blank. Some of you guys are blank. I am cool. Listen, I'm cool. I mean, I, I think I'm pretty cool. I, you know, I drive that car or I wear those shoes or whatever. I'm cool. Some of you say, no, I'm not cool. I'm uncool. I'm very uncool. Some of you would be like me and just be honest because I think we all can be. I'm insecure. There's something. There's that one area in my life where I know I don't got it all together and it like really gets at me when I look in the mirror or when I think about myself. I am insecure. Some of you say, I'm fake. I put up such a front that I'm this kind of person or I'm that kind of style or I'm that part of that social scene. It's a fake thing. I'm just trying to do it to be cool. I'm just trying to do it to fit in. I'm a fake. He says, Scott, you have no idea what I've done. I am used. I have been in situations that if I told you right now, you'd want to kick me out of church. I am used. Some of you say, I'm addicted. I don't know what that is. Fill in the blank. I'm not even going to try to go there. But you need it. You want it. You think about it. I am addicted. Some of you would be there tonight and say, that's me. I am alone. This one kind of just covers them all. I'm struggling. I'm not perfect. And a lot of times we look at all these different things and we put God in a box with our blank. We put God in a box. You don't understand, God. I'm depressed. Nobody can help me. I just talked to somebody the other day that said nobody on this earth or above this earth can help me because of my situation. You don't know. You don't understand my situation, Scott. 
I'm addicted. I don't care what you say about God. All things are possible. You don't understand. I can't get out of this. I've tried. I've talked to people. I am addicted or I am lonely. Where's God? Where's God? I'm lonely. And we put God in this box with our blank. There's a guy in the Bible named Paul. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, we're going to read this in just a minute, but he talks about this thing that a lot of scholars have argued about. What is Paul talking about? And here's what he says. is He has a thorn in the flesh. He talks about it to the Corinthians, and we'll get there in a minute, but he says, hey, there's this thing that I've asked God over and over and over and over again to remove. And here's kind of my take on that in relation to this message. What if Paul's thorn in the flesh what if it was one of these things? Because it never says it's, you know, it's, it's persecution or it's whatever. What if it's Paul saying, man, I'm depressed. I'm like the pastor to all these different churches. I'm overwhelmed or I am fake. Sometimes I put on a front or I'm struggling. This thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about, maybe it's a lot like us to where it's something that is really eating his life. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's going to be on the screen. He says, concerning this, meaning the thorn in the flesh, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am What's Paul saying? It's kind of a lot of Bible language. I get it. Here's what Paul's saying. I don't care what your blank is. He's saying, I'm not going to wish that to go away. Why? Because Jesus says in those times, in the blanks, whatever you would fill that in with, Jesus says, I've left that in your life not to hurt you, not to harm you. I've left that in your life so that my strength could be made perfect in your weakness. Like David, I am not worth much. I am weak. God says, I'm strong. Moses, you are not enough. I am. Refuge students, you are depressed. You are alone. You are addicted. You are overwhelmed. You are scared. You are bullied. You are lonely. You are fake. God says, I am enough. My power your weakness. thought about a way, I was like, how can I illustrate this for students to make it a little more applicable? How can I, how can I make this a little more real tonight for students? But here's what you got to know before I do this kind of illustration. I'm not a handy man, okay? Does anybody, does anybody grew up with like a dad who's like super handyman guy, okay? Okay, I did too, and that is like horrible because then you like got to be that handyman, okay? I am not a handyman, okay? Here's what I mean. Everything I do around my house, because now I'm like an adult, I got to know what uh, everything I do around my house, YouTube tutorial that stuff. YouTube, okay? You could say, uh, how do I fix my washer? And some guy posted a 25-minute video, step one, undo the plug. And you're like, dang, I can't even get that. What plug? There's four of them. I don't know what's going on here. I am so not handy. I try my best. It just doesn't work. So the other day, I am um, putting some Christmas lights up in my house. I'm on the roof, and... I am, uh, I'm thinking, how can I illustrate this stuff for students? I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm like stapling my fingers down and stuff. And I'm just 
And uh, I'm thinking, how can I, how can I illustrate this for students? And then I stood back and looked at my house. And who, who's ever seen? Obviously, you have. Everyone looks at their house without Christmas lights on. They're just bare, like hanging off the house, and it's like kind of ugly, right? Like, or like the tree without all decorated with the lights on. It's kind of ugly. It's just a tree with a bunch of stuff hanging off of it, you know. And I thought, man, what if, what if, what if that's kind of like our lives? We're like, this, this is all right, it's whatever, it gets by, it's, it's a strand of Christmas lights. But it's not much, it doesn't bring much to the table. It's just kind of green, I don't know why they use this ugly green color for everything Christmas, but it's kind of green, it's got some weird colored bulbs, maybe not a colored bulb fan, that's cool. But it just kind of, it just kind of is. But it, it, it's got some weaknesses. But when you turn on electricity, what if that is kind of my story? That I'm weak, and apart from something else, there's not much to me. Like the house that just kind of looks eh. Apart from something else, there's not much to me. But when something else outside of it comes in, like electricity, it kind of makes ugly things beautiful. I thought, man, what if that's what Paul, and this is me just being ADD, what if that is what Paul's talking about? When he says, in my weakness, he is made strong. Yes, Scott. You're not, you don't bring much to the table. You're depressed, you're lonely, you're fake. You kind of you are just by yourself, whatever, kind of just weak, ugly, if you will. Here's what the truth of the Bible says, and I love this, is that when something else comes inside of me, Jesus says, Tim, my weakness is perfected like the ugly house that becomes beautiful when it's nighttime and lights go on. The Bible says that as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, there's this Holy Spirit, God Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. And here's what we know about the Bible is that makes ugly things beautiful. That means broken things whole. That makes things that are weak strong. Not because they're strong, but because he is. When we begin a relationship with Jesus, The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to live. If you say, Scott, I'm this. I am whatever. I'm this. I am that. I am not good enough. Whatever it is, don't try to make like a clause for you to say, oh, but that's, you don't know me. Whatever it is, the Bible says, whatever that thorn in the flesh is, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So, Scott, don't know my situation. Say, I don't even know if anything's real anymore. I believe tonight God says, I am. He's got, who's around me to help me? Who's around me to speak into my life? I believe tonight, whatever that is for you, God says, I am. This guy, nobody's listening. I talk to my parents. I talk to my teachers. I talk to my friends. I'm depressed. I'm in this mode. I can't get out of it. Nobody's around to listen to me. And I believe with all my heart, in our weakness, God says, I am. This guy, I'm not even sure why I'm here. Why am I here living this life as a teenager? I am not even sure why I am here. I believe with my whole heart tonight, God says, I am. invite the band to go ahead and come up. I know you guys got a couple more blanks. 
I really, really believe this principle. What I see in myself changes my perspective on everything else. And why this isn't a self-esteem talk is because here's the reality tonight. As believers, what is in us? Go to that one slide, uh, Josh. As believers, it's the Holy Spirit inside of us. So my blank, absolutely, 100%, and I think yours too, would say, I am weak. I am not enough. I am depressed. I am lonely. I am struggling. I am all these bad things. We're honest tonight. We could come up with a list. But as believers, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. And His strength is made perfect. Are we? Tonight, I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads. I don't know how all this stuff lands on you tonight. I know it's kind of heavy. Here's what I believe. I think some of you guys are living with some heavy stuff. Sometimes we just need to kind of get heavy with what the Bible says to meet you in the places in your life where it's heavy. And you're dealing with some stuff. The reality tonight is that if you are not a believer in Jesus... You are fighting this battle alone. But that is never how you were intended to live your life, ever. God never sent your 15-year-old self into this world to battle depression and to battle the divorce of your parents and to battle the overwhelmed sense of your life and to battle the bullies that you're fighting walking by yourself. God knows that at the end of the day, you would say, I am not enough. And he says, I am come to me. So maybe tonight your step is, man, you can give your life to Jesus. We got some leaders that'll be in the back. I'm going to be in the back. Maybe you just want to talk to somebody about it. You don't know what that looks like, but that's what we're about here at Refuge. We want to introduce students to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. There's a bunch of people in the room that have experienced that, and they've seen that they are not enough, that they are weak, but that I am is strong. Maybe you're a believer tonight, and you you don't really see the Holy Spirit's work in your life very much. The challenge for you tonight is let him move. Stop trying to be strong. You're not. Stop trying to be something that you aren't. Stop trying to be enough. The freeing reality of a relationship with Jesus is that we're not. So tonight, maybe you're a believer in Jesus. Tonight, I would say to you, lay down a new. Lay down a fresh and say, God, I am not enough. I know you are. A new surrender to say, God, I give you control because I took control. I gave you my life at camp like last year or at refuge a few weeks ago, but I took back control because I think I can do it better. And God, I surrender it again to you tonight. I am weak, but I am as strong.